Before we begin our Torah study tonight, let's pray together. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Asher Kedshenu B'Mitzvotav Etzivanu La'asok B'Divrei Torah. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. Well, here's the context for this week's Torah portion. There have been many trying times with rebellions and plagues and spiritual attacks and all sorts of crazy things, including attacks from Balaam and Balak, the false prophet Balaam or Balaam's nefarious plans have unfolded and they were described at the end of last week's readings. Let me read to you from Numbers 25. It says, Israel stayed at Shittim, and there the people began whoring with the women of Moab. These women invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, where, where the people ate and bowed down to their gods. With Israel thus joined to Baal Peor, the anger of the Lord blazed up against Israel. And so Israel was drawn into idolatry and ultimately the evil results that Balaam and his money man Balak wanted to accomplish were actually being fulfilled. And then things got even worse. An alliance between a chief of Israel and a chief of Midian was sealed in an outrageous way that you can read about on your own. And then there's a plague and there's a zealous priest, Pinchas, and two people are speared through and the plague stops. It's a mess. That's the context for what's next. And that's why I titled this message, From Chaos to Order. So there's all this continuing difficulty. There's a lot of drama. There's relentless rebellion, death, and sorrow, and trouble that just keeps on coming. And that's the context. And I want you to keep it in mind as we read this evening, because the next part of the Torah portion is based in that context of chaos and trouble, but it shifts. Let's turn to Numbers chapter 27, verse 1, and we'll read a few verses uh, as we study together. Numbers 27, verse 1. And then the daughters of Tzalofchad, the son of Hefer, the son of Gilead, the son of Machir, the son of Manasseh, of the families of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, approached. So these are the daughters, and they're from families that are descended all the way back to Manasseh, and it's important to remember who he is. He was the son of Joseph. Manasseh and Ephraim, two sons of Joseph, uh, Joseph the patriarch, Joseph the son of the great patriarch Jacob, who laid hands on and proclaimed that these two boys were now his own sons. And these two boys, Manasseh and Ephraim, were born to Joseph in Egypt, to Joseph and his Egyptian wife. So his father Jacob, the, the grandson of Abraham on one side, and his Egyptian wife on the other side. Now, according to current Jewish law, she would not have been considered Jewish. The mother would not have been considered Jewish. Joseph's wife would not have been considered Jewish, and her children would not have been considered Jewish. But here they are, in Torah, part of Israel, 
part of the Jewish community. They're led by Moses, and that's the who. That's the background. It's important to remember. And verse 1 continues with this. These were the names of his daughters, Malchla, Machla, Noah, Hogla, Milka, and Tirzah. Those are the names, the names of the five daughters. The Torah actually takes time to give us their names. It's a way of underlining their significance. These five daughters, these five women got the Lord's attention. They got Moses' attention and they should get our attention too. Now, verse 2, they stood in front of Moses, Eleazar, the high priest, the Kohen, the leaders. Uh, Eleazar was the priest. Uh, he was, you know, from Aaron's descendants. The leaders and the whole community are at the entrance to the tent of meeting. And they said, our father died in the desert. He was not part of the group who assembled themselves to rebel against the Lord in, uh, in Korach's group but he died in his own sin and he had no sons. So to die in his own sin simply means he, he died without being part of that other rebellious group. He was just a normal man and he had no sons. That's what's the important point. So in the midst of all this chaos and all this rebellion and all the drama, these five women come with poise and with peace and with integrity, and they speak clearly and directly about the rules and the regulations of the Lord and the greater community of Israel. And remember the context. They want change. They don't want to be mixed up with all the chaos, with the disorder, the disrespect, the discord, the division, or the rebellion. They want to say, we're not part of that. And yet they speak with clarity and they say, our father was not part of that mess with Korah. And they continue verse four. Why should the name of our father be eliminated from his family just because he did not have a son? Give us property to possess along with the brothers of our father. Moses brought their cause before the Lord. So remember, sons were given property, daughters weren't. That was how it was done. And Moses listened and he brought their cause to the Lord. And then the Lord answered Moses. That's in verse six and now seven. The daughters of Tzlovchad are right in what they say. This is the Lord's answer. They're right. You must give them property to be inherited along with that of their father's brothers. Um, have what their father would have inherited passed to them. So the Lord says they're right in what they say. And sometimes what you say, how you say it, and who you're with can really make a difference. Verse 8, Moreover, say to the people of Israel, if a man dies and does not have a son, you're to have his inheritance passed to his daughter. If he doesn't have a daughter, give his inheritance to his brothers. If he has no brothers, give his inheritance to his father's brothers. If his father doesn't have brothers, give his inheritance to the closest relative in his family, and he will possess it. And this will be the standard for judgment to be used by the people of Israel as Adonai ordered Moshe. So now we have an amendment to the social understanding, the laws and the regulations of inheritance and even probate, you could say. Now, only later, much later, 
would this principle be extended even further so that daughters would receive inheritance even if there were sons in the family. Sometimes the principles and the precedents of biblical justice take time to develop and then to develop even further and take root in society and develop even further. Even so, this is a good example of how to change the way things work. This moment represented serious change and it was protective of the good of the whole community. No villains, no victims, no heroes. Moses listens, the Lord listens. The Lord says the daughters are correct, the law should be changed. It's a fascinating, fascinating lesson on social change. And it stands out really in the midst of the chaos because it gives us a different path, not the path of Pinchas, who's uh, the zealous one, but it protects us because it's a different path so that we don't become a community of vigilantes. And it's definitely not the path of Korah and all those who fought against Moses and the Lord, the way of accusation mixed with pride and arrogance that overthrows power or tries to grab power. And it's worth noting, Mishpacha, even in the chaos, even in the tumult, even in the storm, there is a different way. Now let's go to the Haftorah and then the Britah Hadashah, Jeremiah chapter 1. The prophet Jeremiah is called by the Lord. He's young and he needs discernment. He needs the spiritual gift of discernment. He needs to learn how to exercise it. He's reluctant. He doesn't have confidence, but what he really needs is humility, the kind of humility that will enable God to use him powerfully and will help Jeremiah later endure many difficulties. And remember this, Jeremiah is called to be a Jewish prophet, a prophet of Israel. And he is also called to be a prophet to the Gentile nations. And that was not a well understood or well accepted goal in life. It was an adumbration, that's a favorite word of mine, a shadow or a cloudy hint of something yet to come. And the clear new covenant calling of Jews and Gentiles to be in one body with Yeshua the Messiah was being intimated in the life of Jeremiah. And it leads us to this reading tonight from Romans 11. So we'll go now to Romans 11, verse 17, and we'll look at verses 17 through 20. And I'm going to use the David Levine amplified version of uh, this, this uh, passage so that you can catch some extra important details that, are, um, that need to be included. Verse 17, but if some of the Jewish branches were broken off and you Roman believers, a wild olive, were grafted in among them and have become equal sharers, I want you to underline that if you can, or to take note of it. You have become equal sharers in the rich root of the olive tree. This is an amplified version of the Jewish New Testament translation from David Stern. It's part of the complete Jewish Bible that David Stern has also um, translated. But I'm adding my own amplification to, because you're not able to see all the details of the context, I'm putting some of those extra details in here 
as well. But, but Stern renders it this way. They have become equal sharers, equal sharers in the rich root of the olive tree. Verse 18, then don't boast as if you were better than the branches. So my comment, here again, we face the challenge, viewing each other as equals. No villains, no victims, no heroes, just equals. It, it's still a challenge, don't you know? Jews and Gentiles still having to learn to be together. And Paul makes a correction. He gives a strong correction to the Gentiles. He's speaking clearly and directly. He's not mincing words. And he says this, we'll read on. However, if you do boast, remember that you Romans, you Gentiles, you from the nations are not supporting the root. The root is supporting you. And so you'll say, Jewish branches were broken off so that I may might be grafted in. Verse 20, Paul says, true, but so what? So what? They were broken off because of their lack of trust. However, you keep your place only because of your trust. So don't be arrogant. That's what Paul says. Don't be arrogant. Don't slip into that. Don't find fault with the others. Don't focus on that. Remember, we're all equal. We're all at fault, and we all are in need of the mercy of God. We all need to trust God. We all need to be full of faith and faithfulness. So stay focused on the purpose, God's plan for the restoration of all humanity. There's no room for superiority. We have to learn to combine mercy and truth. We have to learn to embrace concern for both Jews and Gentiles together, with Jews still being Jews, Gentiles still being Gentiles, but learning to be together. All are highly valued in God's eyes. And we have two challenges, ignorance, which doesn't know things, and arrogance, which doesn't care and has this pride and hubris. Well, we learn from all these readings, there's a purpose and a plan. God is trying to accomplish something big. We have to hold on to the purpose. Don't get caught up in the chaos and the rebellion. God wants to bring about much change in all of us individually and in us together. Let's move forward together in the Lord. In the days to come, when you're thinking about our mandate and our calling, Let's not allow frustration, offense, anger, or difficulty to stop us. Let's remember that good Hebrew word, kadima, forward. We move forward, we move together, and let's multiply blessing all around us. Let's bless the Lord with a traditional Hebrew prayer and blessing that may not be familiar to you, but it's such a good one. Baruch atah hatov v'hametiv. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, the good one and the doer of good. Lord, we pray, help us endure by holding on to you. You're the one who really is good, and we want to keep your goodness in our hearts and in our minds. Thank you, Lord, that your peace is available to us in the name of Yeshua. And we pray this, Lord, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. 
In a moment, we'll close with Aaron's blessing, but first, would you consider standing with us financially? If this live stream is a blessing to you, or if our Messianic Jewish Teachings podcast, or our Beth Israel Messianic Synagogue Sanctuary Services, or any of our ministries are a blessing to you, would you consider standing with us and blessing our ministry? All the information is on our webpage, bethisraelnow.com slash giving. Let's close now with Aaron's blessing. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine brightly upon you and may the Lord be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Hope you can join us tomorrow for our Shabbat service live from the Beth Israel Messianic Synagogue Sanctuary and on stream, online, live stream too. And now a final worship song from the Rose family. Shabbat Shalom.